This is Purple Radio On Demand. Welcome back to Motorsport Backpage. On this week's episode, we'll review Formula E's first races under the qualifying format changes at Saudi Arabia and look at how the 24 hours of Daytona unfolded to a fascinating finish on the final lap. NASCAR will return this weekend at Sunnyside LA, whilst the Race of Champions will take place all the way in Sweden on ice. I'm Ryan Shea, beside me is Morgan Kendall, and let's jump right in. So, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been alright. Um, nothing interesting going on in my life, but there's been a bit... Uh, some interesting motorsport going on, Formula E, Daytona 24, considering it's January, it was quite a busy weekend for us motorsport fans. Um, so we'll start with Formula E, and everybody heard my rants last week about Formula E and uh, issues I have with it, but the qualifying format, we discussed about it, and whether it would provide something for the show, and whether it would be another gimmick or not, and I mean, my personal thoughts on it were that it was quite successful, um, but Ryan? What did you think of it? Well, the thing is that I did mention I'm open to the changes. It's, at least to say, very impressive compared to what the usual group qualifying format would have been, sending all the championship leaders down to the back and, and some random people starting up in the top 10 or something. This new knock qualifying format keeps championship contenders and fast drivers all the way up front and stage a fascinating finish as well. I, th- If I remember correctly, they did actually stage the final at a time delay pace that both laps will be displayed simultaneously throughout the broadcast and in any situation it could easily go wrong but they executed perfectly and I have to give hats off to that but I don't think they did that for race two though but it's a shame but they give it an attempt it worked very well in my opinion and I'm looking forward to what other qualifying like fascinating results they will bring to for example Mexico or down the line whatever for the season since it's going to be there yeah I think it's great that what Formula E feels like, in a way, the way they've done it, it feels like it's actually a fair racing series again, in the way that obviously there is still a little bit of that entertainment aspect that's there, but you expect that in any racing series. But Formula E feels like if you're the best driver, you have the opportunity to go out there and win every week, which it wasn't like that before. So that's a brilliant step, I think, for Formula E, uh, that the best drivers will be able to ha- win. You'll have this consistent... It will still be unpredictable. We saw different winners this weekend over the race. Um, over the races, we're going to see different winners all year, but it's going to be more of a consistent view up the front, building consistent results. It's going to probably be more a bit comparable to IndyCar in terms of how the um, how the front runners sort of thing. So I'm very much looking forward to it now um, regarding following it. Um, but we'll talk about the races and, well, starting with qualifying, we obviously discussed the format, but we didn't mention what happened. So, um, first of all, race one, Stoffel Van Dorn pole position, and Nick De Vries was uh, third, I believe. Yeah, and um, it set the Mercedes team up very nicely to start the year, didn't it? Yeah, Mercedes have been quite a dominating force since they've joined. Like, they started okay as HWA in Season 5, but once the factory took over, they were winning, winning races by the end of Season 6, and then absolutely took away the championship on season seven and now winning well winning both polls on season eight and nearly took a double win i believe on both races but they performed very well and 
it's well I believe the only reason why the Rees was out in the semi-final was because Stoffel van Dorn and the Rees were pitted yep. against each other in the exactly. semis on the other hand I was pretty happy that Andrew Lutter managed to make make an upset against I think Robin Freund in the first round but that's him and he eventually finished all the way outside of the points in race one and that's a shame but otherwise I don't think there was anything to bother about qualifying it did what it should it's performed a much better job that we were hoping to compared to what I was saying about group qualifying where it did its job way too well to shuffle up the grid instead of putting the good guys at the back so do you think that going into the season that it's going to be a negative in the fact that you might have less occasions where front runners are at the back or do you think that's not going to be an issue that's not going to be an issue because you know with the knockout qualifying like if you go through to the knockout stages you are still pitting against one driver in round one and if you make a mistake on that lap you're probably going to send down to p8 so that still happens it's going to be an upset of some sort and you know those shock qualifying results can still happen and will happen as we've seen a few times already potentially if looking back but we will only know when we go to mexico exactly so um in race one um getting underway it was a I mean, it wasn't the most action-packed race of the whole, but it was Mercedes dominating the whole the whole time, uh, with Nick De Vries taking victory. So, um, what were your thoughts on Mercedes? They looked, as you mentioned briefly there, but they looked untouchable. I think they pulled out three-second leads, both Nick De Vries and um, Stoffel Van Dorn before safety cars bunched the pack up together, but even then they didn't look under threat. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes just literally ran away with both well, races like well the other well, one was a Venturi yeah. race, so we will come to that <laughs> later but it was Mercedes power and I think they, they've pretty much got the power train at least dominate domination status and it was pretty much Stoffel Van Dorn's win to lose and he fumbled it by missing attack mode which is a Formula E special and you know you lose a few seconds where you get extra power for depending on the race status I think for race one was three minutes for race two four minutes but you have to take it twice each race for this data sometimes they make it three sometimes they make it you know whatever but it's one of those stuff that if you miss the attempt was basically saying that there's a pit stop error there's whatever and stuff vendor obviously fell foul to that and the breeze took the lead and just coasted to the victory like whatever happens mercedes ran away with everything so yeah, I'm just looking now, the gap in the end between uh, Stoffel Van Dorn in second place, who was six times off his teammate, to Jake Dennis, who finished third. He was actually had a impressive weekend, but yeah, he finished third. 8.8 .8 seconds between him and the Mercedes, which is uh, quite a lot, to say, um, to say the least, in race one. Mercedes were dominant that weekend, and... Um, it both very well, but we thought that at the start of last year. I think Nick De Vries took the opening win in the last uh, in the first race of last season. But obviously he won the championship, but it wasn't as easy as people thought it might be. I remember seeing on Twitter people saying, "Oh yeah, Nick De Vries, he's gonna Mercedes is gonna coast to this championship." They didn't. It was entertaining, but with obviously being a bit more fair this year in the quali, that might be a little bit more of a different story. Yeah, I think, well, on my opinion, De Vries worked very hard towards his championship formula last season because with Mercedes being such a dominating force, he's always qualifying down in, well, like I said, group qualifying, shuffles the good drivers down to back, so he's like 15, 16 or something, and he has to, he managed to crawl back into the points every single race and just stay consistent throughout and eventually wins the championship. And 
With this one, he's only placed at the front. I believe we might see a runaway championship for the first time in a while. Before, well, since Antonio Felix da Costa dominated in Berlin, where yeah. it was pretty much a closeout in season six. It was very close until I think it was like three or four race victories in a row for Antonio. She just literally took it all away. So, so are you predicting that there's going to be no like in the the the, the title will be decided before the final race? Is that your prediction? It's. I think it's also the case last season or something, but I believe the title will be decided before the final race, despite how close Formula E is. But given the Mercedes domination status, even though it's the last season, it's probably going to be the case. And uh, who do you think will be that driver that wins the championship? At the moment, I think Nick De Vries starts the other hand. If Stoffmendler couldn't challenge it, it might just be one of those Lewis Hamilton Valtteri Bottas stories where, you know, Bottas still has a mathematical chance, but Lewis just absolutely took, takes it away anyways. So, What about Mortara? Um, Mortara is in Venturi, and they are a Mercedes customer team, so if Mercedes wants to defend it on us, they might just force the team order into it because... Is that a thing in Formula E that they could do, uh, so Mercedes can say to Venturi, Oi, do not pass us on track or we will stop supplying power trim. <laughs> I, I do not know but you know maybe it, maybe it might be the case we will n- not know until it's if I'm nothing because Mortara is a half decent driver he's never took a pole yet um, well he's performing great in races he took podiums he took race victories and it's just going to be interesting to see if yeah. he can become one of the more successful drivers in the Formula E down the, down the line but his teammate Lucas Degrassi who's left the Audi team as we mentioned last week He's come came to Venturi. He's also had a very good weekend out in race two, where he was holding a one-two with Venturi before. Well, some racing incidents caused him to be shuffled down the pack, and Robin Fry snuck through. But otherwise, yeah. I think the race is probably still championship favorite as it stands. Maybe maybe somebody will bunch up. Maybe Sam Burr will like sneak in a win or something yeah, and just come back in the contention. It's only two races. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean the reason I mentioned Mortara is because he's been in Formula E for quite a few years now, and I've seen I've from the, I don't watch as much Formula E as you, but from what I've seen of him, he seems to be a very solid driver. And I'm thinking with the Mercedes being quite the Mercedes powertrain being quite strong, he's now got a teammate with plenty of experience that could probably help him if there's a title fight. That I think maybe this could be his year. Obviously, we have only seen two races, so it's a. Uh, we really don't know what's going to happen, but just leading the championship at the first race, he's going to be happy with that, I'm sure. Yeah, it, well, it'll be interesting, but that's everything I have to say about the racing itself, because it for Formula E, it was surprisingly quiet for staffs like these, because for sometimes Formula E could produce all, all sorts of overtakes and whatever facilities, but for this one, there wasn't much. It, it all kicked up in race two, where the Vries tried to defend position after fumbling the strategy from John Aaron and just... All chaos kicked off from there and he dropped all the way down to P10. But otherwise, the racing was pretty quiet for Formula E status. It was another thing in race two that caused controversy for a short while in on Twitter because I believe it was Alexander Sims that crashed late, late in the race and the safety car was called dangerously late compared to what Formula 1 or any normal racing series would have done. So you've seen these pictures of like just a servicing crane trying to pull the car away whilst the other cars are racing on track and all that stuff. Let's just... Jake Dennis wasn't very happy about it. I heard his uh, radio message. Um, It was like, I mean, it feels like they haven't learned from not not this isn't a Formula E issue itself. This is an issue within motorsport that some race directors sometimes just don't take, don't, just aren't quick to react. Um, so, for example, obviously this weekend and then 
like Imola Formula One 2020, I think the safety car let drivers pass way too soon. That's still marshals running on the track. And it's just incompetence, really, from whoever's making these calls because you can't have a crane on track while cars are coming around. And uh, it was lucky in a way that no one got hurt. And I'm glad no one didn't. But it's kind of like those sort of those sort of things should be close to sackable offences for whoever's making these decisions. Yeah, and I just guess... Formula is probably going to learn from that immediately oh, yeah. how, how fast they change in compared to what we have seen for Formula 1 not saying anything just it's just it's happened and it's happened again and again for Formula 1 but let's just hope that Formula E does make changes like makes decisions much quicker and let's hope that the in, these instances will be reduced in the future but the other side of the thing is that the safety car well it's minor because in terms of racing incidents like the race did end in the safety car it's just that the fact that people were saying that that's what should happen with Formula One. <laughs> well, 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 it's quite the different issue because yeah. for Formula E, these are much tighter circuits. There wasn't any lapping and lapping issues. They just let the race end in the safety car. Like there was nothing to be worrying about. Like just let it end the safety car. The time was up. Just let it be. For Formula One, there was a lot of stuff. Like the championship was on the line. They want the racing in. There was some lapping cars to do. Like. For, it was two very different scenarios that both happened to result in a late race safety car. Yeah. That's the only thing in common. So, um, question about it actually, because I haven't actually seen. Was the track clear with a lap to go, or was it? Um, was there still cranes working? Or I think it was clear on the final lap or something. Like basically, when they said last so lap, that it could get yeah, it. not so yeah. that it could get. But like, people were complaining because you know that's what Formula Jundal just let the car stay, no lapping, no racing whatsoever. Like it's very different stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think people were mainly just... People are maybe just confused because... Um, though, obviously, Formula used to have the 45-minute plus one lap, but I think under safety car, that's now been removed. That If the safety car comes out with five minutes to go, they're not going to add on the extra lap. Um, no, just, the whole something thing... something very similar to that. Yeah, so it? the original is that the safety car doesn't reduce time or anything, but from this season onwards every minute behind the safety car adds 45 seconds to the overall race time uh, but it doesn't get added when it's five minutes ago that's the thing and no energy reductions from i think the last five minutes as well so they in order to basically promote energy saving and all that for strategy the there's a usable energy limit for every race and every minute behind the safety car reduces that by a bit and they don't do that for five, five minutes after what's happened in valencia so something else that you guys might want to know given what's happened so I guess that's most of the stuff on track done and I'll just give you guys quick inform on the race results. So for race one, it was Nick DeVries, Stoffer Van Dorn, Jake Dennis, Samba and Lucas Degrassi ran in the top five. The fastest lap was taken by Nick Cassidy in P7. Um, for race two, it was Mortara with the run, Freins, Degrassi, Lotter and Jake Dennis for the top five. Polman, DeVries was P10 after all sorts of contact and Stoffer Van Dorn taking fastest lap in P6. Some other people to be mentioning is Antonio Giovinazzi, who was P20 in both races. What a performance. Congratulations on a debut. Hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. Not saying that Dragon's a good car, but if I mean, he doesn't perform, I think that would be the most unfortunate incident for a Formula 1 driver, if ever. He has he did get beaten in Holland with every single session that was relevant by Sergio Sotikama, who I think himself ev- isn't the greatest driver in the world. Yeah, I, mean, I think the only no session that he beat Sergio was in race 2 or something, whatever, where Sergio no. retired. 
Did he not? Sergio was 17th. Ooh, okay. And Antonio was uh, P20. So, I mean, it, uh, it's his first weekend in Formula E, to be fair. And by Sergio's pace, you can see it's not the fastest car. But at the same time, it's not really a good start for him. Um, but I'm sure he'll get he'll find his feet eventually. Hopefully by mid-season he'll be fighting on the skirmishes of the points. The car's probably not going to be good enough for podiums and wins, like I boldly said a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, and then... Um, Oliver, Tur- Oliver Askew, Askew sorry. Um, good performance from him obviously his teammates Jake Dennis who had an impressive weekend himself so technically be like oh why isn't Askew at the front but it's his first weekend in Formula 8 e. it was a very solid weekend um, no complaints from my end at least about his yeah, weekend yeah he didn't make either qualifying knockout rounds so he was starting like pretty much towards the back, back end of the grid and he raced his way up into P9 P11 so very good performance given in the one year of BMW cars now. The factory team has pulled support, but the Andretti team stays. And let's just hope that it's the start of some, you know, rising stuff for Oliver Askew. Um, I think oh yeah, one more thing to mention is Dan Tictum in the Neo, which is a crap car. So just think of it as a mixed Schumacher in the house. It's the same issue. Like talented drivers in cars that won't be performing. So let's just ignore it. They were at the back. But was ahead of Giovinazzi, so that's a bonus. So that's he's ahead of Giovinazzi in the title. He is beating Formula One driver in the World Championship standings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's Formula E for you in Adiria. The next race weekend for them is in Mexico, I believe, late February. So just keep an eye out on that when it comes round. And this time it will be, I think, a sunny afternoon or you know at night or whatever that's ha- gonna be. But it's gonna be Mexico. It's the same circuit that Formula 1 goes it's just a different layout and different all that are we, are we guaranteeing it's going to be sunny in Mexico I mean is this 100% of a guarantee <laughs> is, <laughs> this a, is this a motorsport back page guarantee I it's a motorsport back page prediction okay. let's just put it that way <laughs> yeah it's it rarely rains rain Formula E anyway so let's just hope that it keeps it that way um, let's just move on to the other side of stuff in Sunnyside Daytona is that 24 hours of Daytona has finally ended. It's one of the most anticipated endurance races of whole whole year. It basically signals the start of motorsport again because it's one of the more famous ones. And Helio Castroneves wins for a second time in a row. Previously in the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura. Now he's moved to the Shank Racing Acura in number 60 and he's won again. Just By beating the number 10 as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's Acura 1-2. You can't blame that. Um... That's unfortunate for Alexander Rossi, who has the unfortunate settle for P2 status. Sad moment. <laughs> but at least we saw the Spider-Man climbing the fence again. So, yeah, that's Halo Castroneves winning the Daytona, winning Indy 500, and then winning the Daytona again. What a what a year he's had. Yeah, I mean, um, very impressive from him, um, especially with, I guess, completely different skills required for endurance racing compared to uh, over racing. Not that men, lo- loads of IndyCar drivers obviously were in this race, so it's not like the IndyCar drivers aren't used to it. But it is, it is still impressive because uh, skill, the skills, you have to be very adaptable to do this sort of stuff, um, over racing, uh, and then racing these DPI Le Mans cars um, in Daytona. And then to win for him down twice in a row at Daytona, it's, it's brilliant it's a, it's a feel good story as well because he's um, 47 I think now maybe 46 one of them and it's like it's showing that age is literally just a number within motorsport you can uh, you can go as long as you wish um, as your body allows and 
Helio Castaneves is just going for a long time and I, I can't wait now to see him in uh, IndyCar full-time next year. Mm, yeah, well, I'm more curious to see if he's going to be the first ever driver to win five Indy 500s. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah, we shall see. It's going to be interesting. This is going to be good. I mean, seeing him... I mean, if you look at all post-race celebrations from... Well, especially so the Indy 500 this year and then obviously um, the Daytona this weekend, the post-race celebrations are always just iconic with Helio. I, lo- I love the Spider-Man climbing the fence uh, trademark. It it shows as well like passion within the sport and that's what I love and that's what I love about Helio and I'm just so happy for him at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations to him. But something else that came up in the race was twice around the clock, down to the final lap, Back straight chicane. It was the number nine Faf Motorsports and the number two KCMG cars in the GTD Pro class that battled it down to the wire with Matthew Jaminet from in the number nine and Lawrence Van Tour in the number two. That well, they were looking on for a course of one two, and both of them were battling out for the overall class win. But the number two basically tried to do a send, didn't work out, got spun round, and the number 16 Rizzi Competizione snuck through for P2 but it was very impressive given how the racing quality has been for basically a whole day whole night and all that it's surprisingly changing the GTLM class to GTT Pro has not only added the interest from some entries to enter all pro lineup it's improved IMSA so much like it's already a like product for Insta to basically advertise the GT racing in addition to the prototype stuff but adding the GTD perks I think it's just the icing on the cake it's so good yeah I mean um, I'm just looking at the result here sorry I was just um, I was just about to ask you do you know why the number 9 uh, fast motorsport car only had 3 drivers compared to um, others which had 4 um, well it's just up to the teams really like yeah, because there is, I believe in IMSA, there's a mandate of two in the sprint rounds, but teams can bring in, I think, up to like five or even seven or whatever oh, to bloody. just bring in a lot of drivers for the endurance because, you know, sometimes they, a lot of drivers want to just have a, have a go at the races or like, you know, these are less professional drivers than those racing in WEC, so they might just bring a few extra to sort of stamina issues, they sort of experience issues, like, you know, a lot of the car people here as a result run four drivers because it's a 24-hour race but sometimes they reduce it to three in other rounds and whatever so yeah, yeah. so it's well, perfectly fine for them to just run three drivers if they want to that's the only difference okay i just found it interesting but what i, what I really want to ask is um you're you mentioned the uh, last lap incident between the fast motorsport car and the kcmg number two who do you think was that fault if any i don't think so it's perfect IMSA slash American style racing and it's basically GT racing in general like people are making sense and people are just giving it a go even down to the wire it's for the overall class when you give it a go it's a racing it's not nobody was at fault it's just it's racing at its finest if any so it's a shame for the number two to not finish P2 and P3 instead but it's perfect racing I mean even Van Tor himself said on Twitter it's just no hard feelings great racing mate just enjoy the win that's what he said yeah. not that I'm disagreeing with the fact it's a racing incident but what I do want to ask is it what like is it great racing in a way that we don't really want to see drivers going on the grass and dying <laughs> not dying but you know what I mean like um, going on the grass spinning off ruining their race in a way and costing them a chance uh, costing them a second place like we I prefer I'd personally prefer to see like the same sort of thing without the crash. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, 
on like cause we had this discussion before I remember about um, I think was it I all the way back was to the first episode of our most backface journey I think it was the WEC incident at Bahrain yes so I mean that was just deliberate punting like they know that it, the championship and the win was on the line it's just no I think what it was actually it was the um, Petit Le Mans with uh, the Ricky Taylor dive bomb oh yeah that I one. think that's what it because they I think you mentioned that it's like because I think that personally would have been like very unfair if Ricky Taylor took the win after that personally but um, but like I, w- like I remember arguing about how it's like about how that's not really the right racing is this, is this just the American culture with the motorsport yeah I think it's just what racing is about like sure for other international states or something they would probably think this is unfair but like people in America were praising how good racing is for this one as a result like most Americans, you have to realize, have been watching like other stuff like NASCAR, where it's just contact racing all around. Like it's very yeah. close racing. So for IMSA to bring this like as well, it's I like it. That's just to say the least. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Other stuff to really mention is just I think it's more of a race result mention because I don't think anything else of notice would have bring guys anything apart from all sorts of fast and nil and p3 class as usual but we won't go into that so let's just go through the class one in each class in the dpi class which is the overall victory is the number 60 mayor shank racing featuring tom glomquist oliver jarvis simon panchadal and the aforementioned helio castro nevis and well it's just the accurate dpi and they won they turned for the second year in a row at, as an accura so let's see what's in store if can they do three in a row next year they won't because it's the last season for DPIs, they're running into LMDH and LM Le Mans hypercar regulations next year, so this is last year for DPIs. And the only thing I've mentioned is that no masters are in this race anymore. They pull us support last year, as I mentioned last week. That's DPI for you. Um, LMP2 was the 81 Dragon Speed, which features Delvin De Francesco and Colton Herta, Eric Lux, and Pato Award. Two very good IndyCar drivers in there, and it's just seem to yeah. be indie car driver. I do well, they've nearly lost the window, but it's good that they well, they took the win in the end, so congratulations to Colton and Patter. Um the LMP three was won by the second year in a row, the number seventy four Riley, which featured Cave and Bello, Michael Cooper, Felipe Fraga and Gar Robinson. So it's the LMP three class. Somebody's gonna pull away clear and like nothing big's up happened. They just introduced the class to bump entries and I think it's okay. Like they didn't get into anybody's major business as of yet, so I don't think it's too much of an issue. I'm fine with it. Don't like it, but it's been at it, so just leave it in. In the other GTD classes, in the pro class is the number nine Faf Motorsports featuring Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, and Felipe Nazo. And the GTD AM, which is what it just called GTD, is the number 16 Wright Motorsports featuring Ryan Hartwood, Jan Halen, Richard Leeds, and Zach Robinson. So, that's the winners for you, and that rounds up most of the racing from last week. 18 cars got the marker of doom, if you're interested as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I think the number 48 from Jimmy Johnson also had suspension issues and finished a few laps down, in, and I think both Cadillacs suffered issues as well. So they didn't quite get a marker of doom, but they just They might as well have got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. So, yeah, four drivers won the lead lap. It was the number 60, number 10, number 5, and number 31, all DPIs. Everything else was like 10 laps slots because it was the LMP2s and, you know, all those stuff. 
That's the Daytona 24 hours for you, for you. Congratulations to you finishing the first endurance race of many to come this year. And let's just move on to what's coming up this weekend because we've got one very famous, well, return of NASCAR at the Los Angeles Coliseum. They finally decided to adapt the movie and cars into real life to race at the Coliseum. This is the first time that this newly designed quarter mile short track gonna be featuring in NASCAR and it's just gonna be an all-star race because the class used to be a invitation for pole winners and stage winners from the year before but they've since changed because they're racing at Coliseum they want the influx they want the entries to basically create more stuff so they basically allow every single team to apply if they're racing so it's gonna be different from what a class used to be but I'm curious to see what's gonna Gonna be follow any thoughts on it? So I mean, how many you mentioned gonna boast of entries? How many entries do you think, or are there, are there expected to be for the Daytona this year? There are thirty six drivers on the initial list, and twenty three will make the final race. Which I believe it's wait tw only twenty three will make the final race. Is that yeah, right? yeah, that's the okay. thing. I I'm just gonna make sure like how many are from each heat but stuff. But there will be four heats and two constellation races and those will transfer determine the final starting grid and one more will be reserved for whoever didn't make it from the heat and constellation races basically finishing highest in the championship. So one guarantee already is Carl Larson. <laughs> That's the one thing we know like by mathematic chances. So if he doesn't make it into the heats he doesn't make it into the constellations, he's going to be there wouldn't, because he's Wouldn't it be hilarious if, uh, like, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, um, who were the other ones in the Final Four last year? Um, uh, but Martin all the ones Tru in the Final Four don't get in, that, like, except for Kyle Larson. That would be hilarious, just um, to say. I, I doubt that's going to be the case. Like, there oh, are probably not. No, it's very unlikely. Yeah. I just think it would be funny. Yeah, I mean, let me just make sure the full format rundown is up. So... The whole thing is that there will be four heat races of I think twenty five laps or something. It was very, it will be very short, and the top four finishers in each heat race will go through to the final grid automatically. The rest of them will be filled in two constellation races, and the top three in each of them will fill out the next well seventeen P seventeen to P twenty two of the starting race, and then one more for the aforementioned championship slot. And that's just going to be everything. And I believe most of the full-time drivers on Ascot will be participating as a result. And those of Tunota will be the color racing number 16 fielding AJ Almendinger compared to the other two options, which they had would be Daniel Hemrick and Noah Gregson, which they've got basically other entries for to worry about. But for this one, they've chose AJ Almendinger for it. It will also be the debut for the new rebranded Petty GMS Racing featuring returning Ty Dillon for who's going to return basically racing full time with the GMS support because in case you probably haven't been following the news it basically Petty Motorsports have been bought up by GMS and they're feeling the original 43 entry in Eric Jones and the other car has been rebranded to the 42 in Ty Dillon um, the rest of the stuff, well, Kurt Busch moves to 23 XI Racing and Landon Castle is going to be in the number 77 Spire Motorsports. And if I want to pick anybody to win it at the moment, it's going to be very hard because, you know, it's NASCAR. Anybody has a, stand, a chance to win. I would still put my money on some short track races like Martin Truex Jr. perhaps. 
But personal, personally, I want to see some sort of like shock underdog meme ish win. Meme win. Yeah. If Martin McDowell's win last year, meme. Um, no, it, I mean, no, no, here's the thing. Michael McDowell has been a very good super speedway yeah. racer, and it's just, he's finally won a race, and it was good for him. But for the true meme status, let's just go for 51 Cody Wood in the Rick Vera racing. He's okay. not great, he's not bad, he's an okayish driver, but he really loves social media interactions and stuff. And, He's got a lot of support from there, and if he wins, I believe Twitter's going to blow up because of the sheer support he's going to have. It's just going to be great if any. Um, otherwise, I don't think there's anything to mention as of now. Practice starts on Friday, and I think heat races start pretty soon after. So, who who do you say your prediction was? Martin Truex? <laughs> yeah, Martin Truex Jr. is my favourite to win this one because he's just such a good race at short tracks. Like, sure, I want to go for Chase Elliott, sure, I want to go for Carl Larson because I'm a Hendrick supporter, but... I think Truex might have the upper hand here. We will only find out, like, you know, on Sunday. But, yeah, it's a change to racing at Daytona the day before qualifying or whatever. And I'm. it's going to be curious. It's a move away from the tradition. They've tried to keep, keep it at Daytona. The race at the road course last year was really good, in my opinion. It featured a final lap, well, dive bomb for the spin and Kyle Busch stealing the win at the end. But... It's different, and I think with the Bush class basically being a showcase race, anyways, it's good that they basically give it a try, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to turn out. And um, I guess because I guess the NASCAR series, you could say, kicks off completely like, the whole season this weekend. Would who do you, who are your predictions to win the championship? Oh, this is pretty early, isn't it? It's early, but you've got to get the predictions in now. You don't want to see the cars on track and then have like all this information to base your predictions off. You want to go in blind. <laughs> Fine. I mean, it's just the fact that it's the next-gen cars coming in. Like, everything's brand new. It, like, it's the same as for more. You yeah. don't know who's going to have the up fan. Like, maybe That's somebody That's what will... makes the predictions fun. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, I guess my favourite... I'm just going to go safe and put in Carl Lawson again. He might be able to do the double. Who knows? Fair enough. Yeah. Um, based on my more limited knowledge than NASCAR for you, I'm going to go for uh, Chase Elliott. Okay. Um, just because I like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, so that's everything for you. If you want to see any of the racing product early, they did do a iRacing Invitational from some Sim Racing All-Stars and stuff. They did an invitation on the iRacing model where they had modeled a the Los Angeles Coliseum track early. And... I forgot who won, but the racing was there, if you're curious. There were some crashes, there were some stuff. It's probably going to be expected to be the same for NASCAR, or even more so, because the drivers want big potential for a win. They, they know it's a big race. It's something of a Super Bowl status, if I, if you say anything. So let's see how it goes. It's going to be cool, and that's everything for you in NASCAR, where it's going to return this weekend and every single weekend after that, basically. Let's see how it happens. Yep. Uh yeah, moving on to Race of Champions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, the Race of Champions this weekend, uh, which happens every year, sometime in the winter, sometimes January, sometimes February. But it's happening this weekend in Sweden um, on snow and ice. So we've got what is probably, a, well, probably, no, it is a very c- good lineup to see. So um, you've got drivers like Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Bottas. Mika Hakkinen, uh, Sebastian Loeb, considering us the snow and ice, he's going to be right up there. Uh, Colton Herter, Jimmy Johnson, all, well, it's a race of champions, but you can see they're all like amazing drivers. Uh, you've got David Coulthard, Jamie Chadwick, 
Um, you've got Helio Castro Neves is coming over, uh, Oliver Solberg. So you've got some really good drivers coming in. And what the Race of Champions is, if you haven't heard of it, um, it's basically like, so individual drivers from these. Um, so this is for like the the Race of Champions itself, not the um, not the Nations Cup thing, which we'll get onto in a bit. Um, but the Race of Champions itself is basically like the individual drivers compete head to head in like a round robin format. Um, so drivers just get knocked out as they go. Um, so for example, um, you've got Sebastian Vettel paired up against Valtteri Bottas, and they go to head to head, and it's knockout tournament, and it's um, it's a brilliant watch. So some interesting uh, some interesting head to heads in the first rounds. You've got Colton Herta against Helio Castro Neves. Uh, you've got uh, Sebastian Vettel against Bottas, as mentioned. Jimmy Johnson against Mika Hakkinen. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seeing a pastime Formula One legend versus a pastime NASCAR legend, it's oh, I mean, it's just the most interesting. Like, like it's a pretty interesting combat to see, say the least. Like, you, in case you've been wondering, Race of Champions is not really. It's sort of equal cars, but like before every round of racing, they basically randomly pick one of the cars to for you to basically randomly pick and drive and so it's not going to be the same every time and you just have to hope that it works out for you and with the race of champions this year being on ice they've picked a slightly different lineup for the cars this time it's the porsche 718 cayman gt4 for one of them the other one is the rallycross supercar lights the rx2e um and i believe making its first debut the fc1x for nitrocross rally and then there's the classic Race of Champions car that you've probably seen from time to time, the Polaris Pro XP. It's just, if you go online and search on what's the Race of Champions, there's a good chance that that car's gonna come up. It's similar to a buggy, basically. So you'll just see them on track. You'll, you probably wouldn't know what's gonna be an offer until when it comes down to it. Just keep an eye out. It's gonna be just pure driver. No, probably not gonna be wheel to wheel racing because the format is just basically drive around the track as fast as you can and I think it's like twice around the loop or something. I think yeah, I think that normally the way they do it, it's like um, the track, the way it comes back, it usually like meets again. So like the back straight pretty much runs parallel to the front straight. So they start at the same point pretty much halfway around the lap. So unless someone decides they can't be bothered to drive for half a lap, you're not going to see any side by side action. But even then, the tracks aren't the the widest in the world. Um, well, at least in the past, I think this one could, it's like um, on snow and ice, it might be quite wide. Uh, I think I've seen a picture of the track, but I'm not 100% sure if that's Yeah, we will just know when it, when it comes out. Um, yeah, but also mentioning the entry list at the moment is that Carter Herta wasn't actually supposed to be in the entry because it was supposed to be Travis Pastrana, but he suffered a minor, well, he's got a stunt crash injury, so he couldn't participate in Race of Champions, and that's why Colton subbed in. But still going to be interesting. We've also got two young drivers in Jamie Chatway. We've got Rally legend Sebastian Loeb and Peter Solberg. We got his son Oliver So pit against some mixer driver Guerrero. So everything's gonna be kicking off this weekend. In addition to NASCAR, it's gonna be two very different races. One of them being pure driver performance and one of them being pure racing product. It's gonna be cool. That's the individual for you. The other one to mention is that every year in addition to an individual competition, there's also a Nations Cup, which is basically well, air quotes, the Olympic of racing. <laughs> in a way, basically, it's the only major racing event to feature nation-based competition. And the draw is, well, pretty similar to what we have at the moment. It's Team USA versus Team Latin America, Finland against Great Britain. Well, 
Sweden against Norway, all that stuff. The one of to note is that for the last few seasons, they've added a E Race of Champions All Stars, basically. So they feature sim racing drivers, and not to say they're bad at anything. One of them, I believe, it was Benito a few years back beating Lucas Degrassi in one of the competitions. So they're pretty good, decent. And the lineup for this year is Lucas Blakely, who's won the virtual qualifier and a fan road competition sent Jana Okmir into the other seat. So two very good F1 esports drivers and if they can create an upset or even win the whole thing then kudos to them. Let us see what happens. Any thoughts on the competition so far? Yeah it's gonna be interesting. I'm just looking at the um at the head to heads now. So you've got Team Finland versus Great Britain. So you're gonna have uh, David Coulthard versus Mika Hakkinen in a way. Um, which I quite like the sound battle. of it's oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you're a Formula 1 fan Coulthard versus Hakkinen instantly raises a nostalgic feeling like yeah. you just know that it's going to go back to oh my god but yeah otherwise um, so uh, yeah I was just looking at that and uh, to be fair I never really pay much attention to race drums but I'm quite excited to see what happens this weekend um, Team Sweden versus Team Norway, so I think the two Solbergs going head to head in that one. Um, no, it's well. Um, I think I'm the Norway team has both Solbergs in it. So ah, right, okay. Yeah, because I believe due to the nation registration, Peter Solberg is Nordic, no Norway, but his son Olaf Solberg is registered under Sweden. Hence, probably your confusion. But oh, to my registration, it, <laughs> the Norway team is just basically Solberg father and son. So. We'll just see how it happens. There is some sort of a round 1A due to the amount of entries like there is a Welker qualifier, but that's out of our reach. It's still going to be racing. It's going to be fun. Let's see what happens. Uh, any other news that you might be interested in saying for this weekend? Because I've got one in store that I've realized I forgot. What is that thing that you forgot? Well, when I could have mentioned it towards the end of the NASCAR part of the segment because Floyd, May May oh, yes. Floyd Mayweather has announced that he's going to be entering a team for the Daytona 500. So it's going to be a part-time schedule, I believe, featuring driver Cass Grella, who used to race with Colic last season as a part-time entrant. And so Floyd Mayweather, as you guys might have heard, a famous boxer, has decided to enter his a team into it. It's the the money team racing, I believe, TMT. Feed number 50. I'm not sure if delivery's final. If you've seen it, delivery itself is okay, but number fun, in my opinion, could be improved. But otherwise, it's a relatively new announcement. There probably is going to be a few extra teams like coming throughout the season in and out. It's NASCAR. You get part-time entrance like there and there and about anyways. And that's your latest news for you because the other one I've mentioned because they're not going to be competing in a clash but will compete full season is the number 27, I think, Team Hazenberg. It's a Euro NASCAR team extended. And if you don't know the news already, you probably let, let me inform you. Jack Villeneuve is returning to Daytona 500. So, any thoughts on it? I did not know that until now. That's, um, that's brilliant news for it, actually, because... Um I didn't even know he was still on active racing too much, so I'm very happy for him. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. One thing I did remember when after you asked me if I have any news, um, well, anything I wanted to mention, uh, British Touring Cars, Napa Racing, have launched uh, their livery for their first year in the touring, British Touring Cars. It is a very nice livery. Go check it out on Twitter um, or Instagram. It's going to be the best livery on the grid next year that's not me be, be being biased because I do like Dan Kamish um, 
and then Napa as well because I associate with my favourite drivers and stuff so it's not biased but honestly it's going to stick out in a sea of black and white cars next year and it's going to be it's a very nice car to see on the grid it brings some colour to it I'm very happy that they're there yeah so glad to see Motorsport being back on the scene it's 2022 kicking off and I guess that's everything we have on offer this week we hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll be curious to see how the racing this weekend unfolds this is Motorsport at Page signing off and come back for more next week when we are heading back to Daytona again for the Great American Race bye bye Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.